Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, barbecuers of all ages, Cowboy Cav here welcoming you to the Man Meat Barbecue Show with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is brought to you by Myron Mix and Smokers. Are you a caterer, a competitor, a barbecue enthusiast? Myron Mixon has the smoker for you. Check out all their styles at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And don't forget to tell them Mikey K sent you. Do you enjoy this podcast, our blogs? Well, join our growing community of friends over on Patreon and help support your favorite barbecue podcast. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube page for lots of videos on different styles of barbecue, different recipes, and the entrepreneurship of barbecue. And now, here's your host, Mikey K. Hanging out with Maddie and Kiki. See, I probably got that wrong already. If, you, if you're looking for them on Instagram, it's Maddie and Kiki on all one word, uh, maddieandkiki.com. Uh, you guys are barbecue enthusiasts. You guys work with Weber and do fun stuff like that. Um, so I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us, and you know, chatting barbecue. Yes, yeah, thank you for having us, Mikey. And I just have to say, I feel like Maddie and Kiki and Mikey sounds really good together. <laughs> They're like our long lost sister. <laughs> I mean, it, it does work together very, very well. It does. It has a ring. It has a ring to it. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, um, how 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 are you guys doing? Tell us a little bit about yourselves. We're doing awesome. So, yeah. um, as you just eloquently put it, we are Maddie and Kiki, and we are what we like to refer to as barbecue entertainers. So, we do work with Weber, and what barbecue entertainers means is that basically... We just, as you know, Mikey, barbecue has a certain element of pizzazz to it. You got the flames, you got the smoke. It's entertaining to begin with, and we just sort of like to give it that next level of like, oops, you know, we bring the party to the barbecue. Just some extra jazz. Yeah, Wait, exactly. you bring the, I don't, I, dude, I, I've been to some pretty rowdy barbecue parties, let me tell you. <laughs> And if you're bringing the party, you guys need to come over. We definitely try and bring the party. We definitely do. Yeah, but we also kind of bring like a PG party. Where I would say we're like rowdy. We're not like the rowdiest kind of girls. So it's like we bring like the PCP party. So up in Ontario, that's like the parents' chips and pop party. Yeah. I think that's yeah, you got to be careful party. by saying PCP party. I'm <laughs> pretty sure that's a different say, kind I, of party. I can't even say it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a whole different party that people are signing up for. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with parents <laughs> or chips. Sorry about that, guys. Yeah. So back to barbecue. So so how long have you guys been into how long have you guys been into barbecue? Well, it's been quite a long road for us. We actually started with we had a show on our local community television station. And we had a little propane barbecue that we took around with us to all of our sort of cooking shows. Like, yeah, we grilled with different guests, like in the community, and we really loved to grill unique things. So one of the things that we grilled that people went crazy for was our breakfast calzones. People thought that was so crazy, and people still to this day are like, you guys make some crazy stuff on the grill. And we don't really find it that crazy. We always say whatever you can make inside in an oven, we feel you can make in a grill. Yeah, and we no, also at the time. True. Totally. Yeah, 
Mikey, we already like you. Mikey knows what he's talking about. <laughs> but, and, and so when we had our show, too, and then we had this little propane barbecue, it was just black, and we were like, that doesn't really fit our vibe. So we We're actually, color broke girls. We're color broke girls. Yeah, so we got some high heat paint um, from a local auto body shop, and we bedazzled the barbecue. So we put, like, 50s flames on it. And I, we got to dig up a picture of that thing. We do. It was really, really cool. We yeah. still and have it. Held it held up. It, yes. it, did hel- it did hold up yeah. to the high heat. Absolutely. Really? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mikey's like, maybe I should bedazzle one of my grills. Maybe I'm, we're I'm, not, bedazzle, I'm <laughs> not bedazzling anything, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But it just, it just sounds interesting. Um, there's a cooker or two that I might want to paint. But, uh, you know. <laughs> Especially we'll if you that. see ours. Like, it, it does take the paint really well. And it's cool because you can get super creative. Like, we wanted to make ours look like a 50s car with like, the 50s style flames on it. And it really worked out well. We did lots of different layers with, like, oranges and reds, and it was really awesome. So, now, what really got you guys into barbecue? What was that moment where you were like, yeah, I'm down for barbecue? I don't really know if we had, like, a crazy moment. We grew up with our mom actually being our household griller. So, for us, we grew up with seeing a woman at the grill, so we never thought that that was, like, a unique thing, like, Still, unfortunately, to, to this day, it is still more of a unique thing. But we just have grilled for our entire lives. And that was basically, like, from our mom's influence. Exactly. And then we started noticing that p- other people were like, hmm, it's, it's kind of unique that you guys are two women that are really interested in grilling. And then actually charcoal grilling for some reason. Yeah. And then we were just like, well, then I don't see how that is unique. But then let's just go with it because we love barbecue so much. And then that's kind of where it took off. Yeah. So that's slowly kind of where it took off, and then you guys kind of took it to the next level and started started the website and started doing the TV show and all that kind of fun stuff. What kind of what got you into that? When you guys what at what moment were you like, we should do a public access TV show? <laughs> well, we actually both volunteered at that studio for a couple years, and we were like. We could do this. Like, we love entertainment. We love movies. We love TV. And we're like, why not try it ourselves? That is, I mean, that is a fan, fantastic way to go. I mean, if it, it, it's so true. People ask me all the time. They're like, how did you get into podcasts? And it's like, listen, just start doing it. Like, just, just start putting them out there. And they're like, yeah, but what if I sound dumb in the first few? It doesn't matter. No one's listening to them. There's... You don't have an audience. It literally does not matter. Like that—that's no, the like. The- you know, work out the kinks by yourself. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't. Like even if you have five people watching you, who cares? You don't know those five people. You'll never talk to them. Exactly. It's so true. Like everybody has to start somewhere. And like sometimes you look back on the stuff that you did at the beginning. And you're like, that was hilarious, but there was something there even from the beginning. Exactly. Like, we look back to some of our really early episodes, and I'm like, I look like an absolute troll. <laughs> you're like, that was god-awful. <laughs> that one was like, god-awful. I would never do that. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we still do do all our own, like, hair and makeup and everything. But at the you time, through a lot of different looks. I'm yeah. like, we are looking so fly. And then now you're like, no, we weren't. <laughs> So, guys, hopefully that audio fixed. Sorry about the little bit of poor audio in the beginning. Skype tends to hate us sometimes. But, um, 
so as you guys were going, you know, it wasn't uncommon for you to see a woman behind the grill, which I don't think it should be uncommon. I think chicks can grill just as good as dudes. Um, I think they can be just as uh, great of pit masters, if not sometimes better. Sometimes you guys uh, are more attention to detail than than some of us guys are. <laughs> <laughs> to say it nicely. Thanks, I love you already. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's just true, right? I mean, um, now, you you guys said earlier in the podcast that people were saying that you guys were doing crazy stuff on the cooker. What would you say, and obviously to you it's not crazy, and to me it's not, I probably wouldn't be super crazy, but what would you say is one of the craziest things you've ever tried that you were like, listen, I don't know if this is going to work, but it actually successfully came out? I would have to say we are uh, – let's see if we're both going to say the same thing yeah, here. Yeah, let's see. But I would have to say, Mikey, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Portuguese custard tarts. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Those are epic on the grill, okay? So, Mike, have you heard of those? I have not. Okay, so it is a very, very, like – next level intermediate type of recipe to begin with you got to make your own pastry you got to make your own custard and so we did that and then we were like let's try doing it on the Weber Summit charcoal grill because it gets super hot and that's the type of temperature that you need for these Portuguese custard tarts and we nailed it we did nail it I'm sorry to say what we did <laughs> that don't actually, say you're sorry to say that you should be like I'm <laughs> proud to say that we did you're just chewing your own horn. You're like, I'm, guys, we I don't care, bro. I'm just chewing our own horn after that, okay? <laughs> I mean, realistically, no one's going to toot your, your horn. So you might as well do it yourself. Right? Yeah, exactly. Words of wisdom, Mikey King. <laughs> I mean, everyone, I don't know, everyone's always like, well, yeah, it came out good, but eh. it's like, mm, yeah, it came out good. Leave me alone. <laughs> Exactly. We nailed it, and it was awesome. Exactly. <laughs> we like doing things like we like doing things that are that are on that same vein, that are very um, intermediate, like on the dessert end of things too, just to see if they'll work out. But sometimes they don't. Like remember the Dutch baby time when yep. the Dutch baby things yep. we went through. Some things you just can't do on the grill. No. <laughs> or or it's just gonna take like like ten thousand times of trying to make to try to make that work. Exactly. To it's try fun. to try to make it work, it doesn't always work, and then. And then, and then the hardest thing I know you you guys do recipes, right? Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. do some lovely recipes. Then trying to give someone that recipe, and you're like, which time worked the best? <laughs> so true. And then you're like, were you keeping score of what we added? Because we yeah. made that work, but I don't know what when it's happening there. <laughs> I'm really bad at the whole recipe thing. People are always like, will you write me a recipe? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, why, <laughs> why not? Well, because they're like, write me a recipe. I'm like, but I cook by feel. And they're like, no, 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 you really I need know. to write write the recipe. And I'm like, yeah, but here's the problem. Like, one of my good buddies was like, hey, dude, when am I going to know the ribs are done? I'm like, you'll feel it. And he's like, that's not a, that's not a measurement. <laughs> he's like, that's not a measurement <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I'm like. He's like, maybe you'll feel it, but I won't. <laughs> yeah, he, well, yeah, and he's like, he's like, can you give me like a temperature, like a time? anything just give me something and i was like you'll feel it they'll feel right and he's like i don't know what the fuck you're saying to me he's like that doesn't make any sense to me and i'm like i feel that's like i feel that's like barbecue toss though because 
kids with barbecue family, you say that to them, they get it. But anyone who's not really into barbecue, they don't get it. Exactly. Say that to a baker. They're like, you'll just feel it. No, they those people need like cups and teaspoons. Yeah, and, like they, they don't feel anything. Those people are scientists. Those people are, are cold in their hearts. <laughs> well, baking baking is definitely a science. Um, baking is a science, and and I think cooking is an art. Um, and I and I say that. It, with the utmost respect for bakers and all that, but you guys measure everything and you make sure that everything is to a perfect T. You dot all your T's, cross all your I's. You guys make sure that they're like perfect. But when it comes to cooking, there's so many different variables that we're, that we're dealing with, especially when you go into barbecue and you start breaking down different cuts of meat, each cut of meat hits rigor mortis just a little bit different. And each cut of meat in each cow or each pig or chicken, they're all just a little bit different. And sometimes they just don't come out the same way. I know one of my biggest struggles, one of my biggest pet peeves is I don't like cooking small shoulders. I hate cooking small shoulders. And some people are like, why? Small shoulder cooks faster, blah, blah, blah. No, I want to cook a 10 pound pork shoulder. I will cook, I will pick cooking a 10 pound pork shoulder over cooking like a six pound small little picnic shoulder any day of the week. I don't care. I'll cook it hotter and faster. It'll still come out better than if I get a small little shoulder and, and try to cook that thing and I could baby it and love it and do whatever I need to to it and still it never pulls the way I want it to. That's, that's just my rant. Based on like, and that's based on your years of experience and, and knowing what you like and there's nothing wrong with that. It's nice to have preferences. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just like I also, I can't stand, um, one of the big things around here that's becoming pretty big is people wanting their pork shoulders deboned? Mm-hmm. I don't know how they how the how you guys get them up there, but Costco doesn't carry boned in pork shoulders always, and it is one of my biggest pet peeves because I want that bone inside. I think that I, the bone is is crucial. Although you lose although you lose the weight in it, right? Because it weighs something mm-hmm. and you're paying for it. But I think that bone is so crucial to that cooking process. We totally agree. Bone gives flavor. And I'm sorry, when you're making a pork shoulder. Bone pull, baby. Exactly. It's all about the bone pull. I knew you were going to go there. And we, I'm sorry. That's so true. I wait for that part. We fight over who gets to do yes, it. That is a money shot when that happens. Yeah. Totally. Why don't just get two pork shoulders? Then you guys don't have to fight. <laughs> See? Why have we not thought of that? <laughs> I, just, I just fixed all your problems. Uh, <laughs> you sure did, Mikey. You sure did. We're sisters. We don't like to share. Let's get two next time, honey. And double the pork. I'm not mad at that. And then what you do is you just cook. You cook one on a bottom rack, one on a top rack, and figure out which rack cooks better. Yeah, smart move. Let's try it out. This guy knows his shit. I know that like you guys obviously are, are Weber girls. You guys cook on a bunch of different Webers. I do find it funny. Um, a couple of my friends that cook on. Uh, WSMs, you know, they'll always be like, I put my pork on this rack, I put my brisket on this rack, I put my chicken on this rack, I put, you know, ribs on this rack, and they all have their own little methods, just because once they learn those cookers, they know where that temp likes to hang out perfectly 
for that cut of meat. And I think that's what's awesome about those cookers is you can really learn them and be like, oh, I can put, you know, I can put my brisket up top or I can put my brisket uh, or I can put my pork shoulders on the bottom that kind of act as a heat shield to ribs. And um, it works so well. Uh, do you guys ever find that with the Weber Summit? I know you guys have one. Do you guys cook with the rack, with the, with the second tier rack in it, which is pretty cool too? We cook with we cook with all the different features of the of the SCG and the and the Weber smoking on. But you're right; it's really important just to know your cooker exactly and like and and experiment with it. We also we just we love the versatility of both though. Like sometimes we we were actually just talking about smoking in the summit. Like we love like we were just trying we were actually just having an argument on if we could only have what one grill, what would it be? And half of us says, like, we want to just say the kettle because you can do so much in yeah. the kettle. The kettle is, like, the most versatile. But then in the same breath, it's like we're we're in Canada up here, so I don't know if I would be able to go a winter without the summit now. Exactly. The summit is perfect for cold weather. It holds the temp properly. You can smoke in it. Like, it's just, I have space. There's just so much more space. Exactly. I so. mean, real estate is a big, big, big thing. Um, I think when Weber put out that Weber Summit, <clears throat> that's one of the things that it it really increased for a lot of people that were maybe just smoking on, um, you know, on the kettles and all that stuff. It's like the Weber Summit increases so much real estate. It's insane. I mean, you actually get your whole – you almost get almost your entire grill space back where if you are smoking on a old school Weber kettle, you're kind of shoving all your coal to one side or you're doing the split totally. method and putting everything down the middle, but it's never, yeah. I mean, you don't never have that whole space to really play with. No, definitely. With, if you're trying to smoke with the kettle, you're right. It's so limiting because things are getting touched. Things like edges of briskets are getting dried out. It's starting to pull off a little bit. Exactly. It's so true. I remember when we first got the summit and lifting that thing up. That's exactly what I thought of. I was like, you could just fit so much on yeah. here. Yeah. And that never I'm, really gets full. <laughs> I mean, that is one of the beautiful things. The Weber Summit's very similar to a big green egg in that sense, and that's that's what I smoke on quite a bit. And, you know, you have that room. Plus, you also don't have to worry about adding more charcoal throughout the cook if you're not doing, yeah. like, doing, like, a minion method or the snake method or, you know, some kind of method to try to keep smoke going the whole time or keep your temperature going the whole time. I think that's one of the hardest things in a Weber kettle is controlling that temperature to make sure that you're not either, you know, stoking that fire way too much and opening it too much to be putting briquettes in or lump charcoal in or, or you know, whatever you're, whatever you're throwing in there. Um, with the Weber summit, it, it just makes your life so much easier because it's all there and it goes exactly. just like, you know, just like a Kamado cooker. The summit can basically be like a set it and forget it type of thing. Totally. Yeah, when we first absolutely. got it, we, we did a brisket, and I remember we we positioned it. So this was still in, like, the middle of winter, but we positioned it so we wouldn't have to go on the porch to actually keep checking on it. <laughs> we just kept turning the front porch light on. We were like, how is it still holding that temperature? <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, right? When, when, it's, when it holds temperature in the cold, it's a fantastic thing, believe me. Um, it was, and, and, it was and, surprising. And the nice thing is about the Weber, the Weber, the 
the advantage that the Weber has that that Kamados don't is if you go if you overshoot your temperature, it can actually recover pretty quickly. It can I've recover. Heard that. I've heard the other. I've heard the other cookers. If you go too hot, it's almost impossible to bring them back down. I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's more time consuming. Um. Mm. If you're shooting for like 250, 275, and you let that cooker get up to 325, 350, 400, it's going to take you, depending on the temperature outside and depending on how everything is, it is going to take you several hours to get that cooker down. I mean, in certain cooks, you don't have that time to be cooking. If you if it gets to be that hot, you do not have that time. <laughs> You've no, got to get it right back. I totally agree with you, and that's the hard part is if you overshoot that cook or that, that temp for that cook, it's really hard to get that cooker down because the, the ceramic holds that temperature so well that it just keeps kind of radiating it in there, and once it's kind of holding it, it, it doesn't – I mean, it's not like you're putting your fire out. You know what I mean? And you can't break off that much airflow – because if you take off that much airflow, all you're going to do is get a dirty smoke, and it's going to be disgusting, and you're not going to be able to eat it anyways. So it's kind of like a pointless cook. <laughs> you so you do have to walk. You could just go from going like low and slow to just switching gears and just being like, all right, this is going hot and fast. <laughs> We're at 325, and it's not going back down for a while. <laughs> I mean, and sometimes I cook hot and fast. Uh, very rarely do I cook hot and fast in, in my egg. Um, I, I have been, I have done a couple hot and fasts on the mixin just to see how it went. But, um, I'm normally about 220 or 250, 275 in my regular cooking temps now. Um, I used to be, you know, down where, down by the 225s and every once in a while, if I want to do a rack of ribs by myself, I'll go 225. But, um, you know, for the catering company and for for pop ups and cooking on site for people, uh, two I think two seventy five makes my life a little bit easier. Definitely, we hear that. <laughs> you know, it's just we, it, it knocks off a couple hours. It knocks off a couple yeah. hours and and a couple less sticks. <laughs> totally, that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, time sometimes. Time, sometimes we get. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you guys being up up north in in Canada, eh? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I like that. <laughs> trying to be cute. <laughs> I'm I'm trying. It doesn't always work, but I mean barbecue's not huge up there, but it is at the same time. Like it's kind of strange because it's kind of almost like where people are like, "Oh, you're in Canada, you don't barbecue," but yet. You guys do some pretty crazy rib fests up there, and you guys do you guys are pretty big foodies in general. Not just you, not just you too, but you guys as a country. Yep, that's very true. And we were actually just talking with us the other day that we think that Canada needs to, as crazy as they are about barbecue, they are very, very influenced by the U.S. Still, like we don't really have our own barbecue identity up here. So, like, you know how there's, like, the Kansas City barbecue, the Texas barbecue? Like, the regions. Yeah, the different, different regions. regions. Like, Canada doesn't really have that yet. Like, 
you. And then people want to, like, be like, oh, the maple syrup. Like, that's or, like, or people will just say, like, up here, people will say, oh, on my style, it's like Texas barbecue. But we're like, but you're in Quebec. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if you... If you look at it that way, I believe barbecue is an American cuisine. I believe it is the American cuisine. Um, as French food is for France, um, Italian cuisine for, obviously, Italy. Um, and, and it's I believe that barbecue is the American cuisine in the sense that, look at Australia. They're cooking some amazing American-style barbecue. Same thing in... The Netherlands, same thing in um, the UK and all those kind of places all around. But at the end of the day, every culture has been cooking barbecue for millions of years in the sense, and maybe not millions, but for thousands and thousands of years because everyone's been cooking over live fire. You know what I mean? Nobody was cooking over any other source. So that's a sense of barbecue and I mean – you got Germans that make, make amazing German sausages. Those are all smoked. You know what I mean? And a lot of places, a lot of cultures have sausages, bacons, um, different preservative type, type uh, meats. And that's all barbecue. So that's a really good actually, yeah. I, I think like and, – and I, I've talked with a lot of people and I've talked to a couple – couple editors uh that have said this in in the past you know the 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 regions of barbecue were kind of made by food people because they were like i have to somehow figure out how to describe why this barbecue in kansas city is different than texas and why is texas barbecue different than the one in the carolinas and the, and they kind of just decided that there was going to be four fucking regions um and then forgot a bunch of them they were like uh oh, alabama no we'll just put that somewhere else um <laughs> It doesn't you – no, know, that doesn't matter. Georgia barbecue, nope, nope, nope. Uh, you know, Mississippi barbecue, yeah, well, Kentucky barbecue, eh, uh, uh. And it's like we're just going to pick four and then go from there. When there's a lot of dudes that are doing some crazy barbecue that aren't necessarily in those regions. I mean you got barbacoa, which is a form of barbecue. Um, you got Santa Maria grilling which is a form of barbecue. There's just so many things that I think fall under the barbecue spectrum. And then people just started recently, I think just the adaption of, well, I cook Texas barbecue or I like saucy barbecue. So I like Kansas city barbecue or I like Memphis barbecue. Cause I like a Memphis dry rib. <laughs> Half the people have no fucking clue what a Memphis dry rib actually tastes like. They just think it's a dry rub. They don't know that it's just, that Oh, it's true. I like my ribs dry. Do you like your ribs dry? Do you really? I, I, this is my favorite question when people go, I love a dry rib. I go, fantastic. What's a dry rib? Because I was taught this by – I was taught by Casey uh, from Peg Leg Porker what an actual dry rib was. It's an, here was what it is. You put kosher salt on that thing. You send it through the smoker and then you put rub on it. There's a dry rib. The dry rub is still dry when you're eating it. That's the whole point of a, a traditional old school dry rib. Nobody really does that anymore because there's not many people that want to eat it that way or they, they just don't yeah. understand it. You know? Yes, that's, uh, we just learned something new too. I, I did not know this was a technically a dry rib. <laughs> I'm telling you, sometimes, 
sometimes I'm good for something. Not very often, but every once in a while I can um, I can give some knowledge to people. Yeah, every once in a while. I like it. <laughs> I was um, I was just I was at a conference and um, the topic of beef got got brought up, right? And I just started talking about like what I know. And this one guy just looks at me and he goes, you know way too much about beef. <laughs> He's like, you know way too much about it. He's like, you are a complete total loser. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I go, Why but. Why would you ever say that? And knowledge is so important. And especially about beef. There's so many different parts of beef that are important in the barbecue world. Exactly. But you still know that. You still know he's going to go home and drop some of that knowledge on his friends. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that going to, so that's true. the fun part. When he'll go home and drop, drop a little bit of knowledge. But it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I guess I nerd out on this so much and, and I talk to so many people and I can gather so much knowledge from people. Um, I feel like doing this podcast sent me through like barbecue university yeah, well, the amount of people that you talk to, and I'm sure they they obviously come with their like many different perspectives of your wealth of knowledge because of that. Like, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. So, what's what's kind of what do you feel is the next step for barbecue? Um, I like to ask this question because it, it's kind of a cool discussion in the sense of where do you see barbecue going? Well, I think barbecue is, uh, although debatable. I think barbecue, especially in Canada, we can, we can speak from our perspective up in Canada, is definitely gaining in popularity. For so sure. Sometimes we've heard in the last little while people have said, like, oh, barbecue's kind of like seen its day and it's like kind of like going, on, going back down. But I definitely think that barbecue is only getting more and more popular. Yeah, it's on the rise up here. Yeah, and I think charcoal grilling is definitely getting gaining in popularity. Yeah, which which is fantastic. Charcoal grilling is like back to basics, and like I feel like it was so popular for years for everybody to prefer a gas grill, but now people are wanting to understand the skill behind charcoal, which is interesting now. Yeah, I think people want more of a challenge. It's attracting more of like the young hipster foodies being like, oh, I'm that now I'm like behind a fire. Yeah, millennials. Everyone exactly. always wants to mention the millennials. They like the vintage look of the kettle. They like to take their selfies in front of it. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that I, I get so much of is when people go, well, I just have a gas grill because it's easier and faster. And that's interesting to me. Because then I ask them the simple question, how long do you take to warm up your gas grill? Oh, I'll go up, I'll turn it on for about 15 to 20 minutes so that it starts getting hot and ready and good to go. And then, um, then in about 20 minutes, I have all my food prepped and uh, my burgers are ready to hit the grill. And then they hit the grill and then they cook for this amount of time and then I take them off and I go, okay, okay, cool. So 15, 20 minutes, right? They're like, yeah. I'm like, I can have my egg going in 15 to 20 minutes. I can have, exactly. I can have my kettle going in 15 to 20 minutes, and it's ready. It's so you got a chimney starter, you're good to go. I don't know. It's like, but it's like many people still don't understand that is the tool to have. That is like one of the most important tools in a barbecue person's arsenal. 
But as a culture, though, it's going to take years to change that around because I think people do think of barbecue as just firing up a, um, a gas grill and not, and they don't instantly go to, they think charcoal takes way longer because they just don't know the facts. Yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to help. <laughs> I'm sure that might be good for you. We're trying to preach the uh, actually cook with real wood, wood, uh, wood, wood preach, which is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, you know, I, we get a lot of shit for it, but I don't care. And that's <laughs> kind of what we do. So when you guys were, were looking to kind of get involved with Weber, what was the what was the attraction to Weber besides you guys having a Weber kettle? Was it Well we actually Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well we just actually well we were doing research on like grills to purchase and what type of grill we wanted. Like we just love the reputation of Weber. So like it comes with like the, the long standing reputation and Weber really is for life. Like, mm-hmm. you see some of those kettle groups on Facebook. Some people have kettles from the 60s, and they still look absolutely gorgeous as the first day that they arrived to that person's house. So that really, like, that was our huge appeal to them, that they do last. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys got a color released in Canada. Um, I want to say it was three or four years ago, it was a gray Weber kettle and it was the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it wasn't released in the United States. And, um, I almost had one shipped to me from Canada and then Weber stopped it. I won't say who it was because I can't, but they were going to sell me one. They were going to sell me one and ship it to the United States for me. And they, Weber was like, if you do any of, if you ship any of these to the United States, they're like, we will pull our licensing from you. So, so I'm still mad at Canada for getting that color because I want it. (laughs) I know the exact color that you're talking about. and It is a beautiful color. And I wonder why that. It does seem like a lot of people are always talking to us. They love the spring green kettles that we have, and they're always wanting them from, from around the world. I wonder why that they're only like available in certain regions of the world. I don't know what it was. I've taught. I've asked a couple people at Weber, um, and they just said, you know, that's just that's the release there, and it's just to make that like special release in different places to kind of get more interest. And they're like, and don't worry about it. We got that awesome ye- or that awesome red one. And I'm like, no, I love the red Weber kettle, but I want the gray one. <laughs> I don't think you get it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Exactly. I just want that one. <laughs> and, it, and I think it could be too. It could be one of those things where it's, uh, you know how you want something that you can't get? You know what I mean? Yes. Like where they're, they like dangle it in front of you. They're like, look at this. Doesn't this look cool? You can't have it. It's like, what do you mean I can't have it? You just can't have it. You're talking to people who live in Canada. We get all your American commercials up here for the fast food chains that we will never have. I know. We always are like, why can't we have Sonic up here? I want IHOP. We're like brainwashed up here. Okay, so so in Chicago, they had Sonic commercials playing for literally like 10 years. 
like 10, maybe more, maybe more than 10 years, but it was like 10 years. I remember in high school looking up like, where's the nearest Sonic? And it was like three and a half hours away. So we're all like, what the? But like you see these commercials and you're like, I want that. I want that right there, right now. But then they finally opened a Sonic here. There was literally like four hour lines at the Sonic. Like you had to go and stand in line for four hours to get shitty tater tots and like nasty shakes. And I don't talk bad about anybody, but Sonic, your food is horrible. Um, I say that in the nicest, nicest way possible. I would literally eat a, ta- I could eat one tater tot and be in the bathroom in like 15 minutes and just be like, well, there goes Sonic. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the grease that they fry in just doesn't agree with my body. But um, it's just one of those things where it it was forever where, like, they advertised for, like, literally 10 years. And I think they made all that money back in one weekend after they opened because, like, everyone in Chicago was like, well, we're going to Sonic. Let's go. Well, the commercials sure make it look good. <laughs> That's what would happen if one ever came to Ontario. It would be yeah. definitely do the same thing. I want enough for that. Even even after, I would camp out for that. Even after the tater tot story just now, I still want to go. <laughs> You're like, I want to try it for myself. I don't want to take his word for it. So you guys, really don't, you guys don't even have IHOP up there? No, we don't. You guys have so many cool things that we don't have. Like, what, what Cracker Barrel, Waffle House. Jimmy John's. So it, the the funny thing, uh, Jimmy John's is, I've gotten food poisoning off Jimmy John's way too many times. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> and uh, Waffle House. The cool thing about Waffle House, which some of you guys may not know this, is Waffle House is not actually in the restaurant business. Waffle House is in the real estate business. Nobody knows that. What? I've, yeah, basically all the property around Waffle House is owned by Waffle House. So what they do is when they find a good spot, they purchase the whole plot of land and then they develop it, right? And when that whole plot of land is developed and then paid off to the bank, that's when they build the Waffle House there. Weird. Mikey, how do you have all of this knowledge? Mikey's like Joe America talking about all this stuff I just, I don't know why I have all this random, I'm, I'm like the bar trivia human. Like, you want me on your team for, like, bar trivia. I know no, nothing that's going to help. Like, nothing that's going to help you in real life. But bar trivia, let's go. This will be great. Our team will, will win the $10 gift card. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to use that Waffle House trivia. I'm definitely going to be cheering that one around. I'm just going to say it one day and take it as our own. That's fine. Go for it. That is go. Please do steal it. Um, it's just, it's a very interesting thing. It's very cool to, um, I guess I geek out also on like business models and what people do. And, um, since we started the catering company, I have, uh, started a YouTube channel and what we do is, uh, once a week I kind of do entrepreneurial videos. And then once a week we kind of do cook by feel videos where I kind of go through a recipe, but I don't really give you a real one. Uh, like we did, we did chicken burgers for one of them. And one of the guys was like, yeah, cause we all have bacon scraps in our house. And I was like, well, I do. I don't, I just figured that was normal. Like, 
I don't know. Like, you know, the catering company does a house-made bacon, so we just have we just have bacon scraps. Like, I don't know. But we use that and we put it into our we put it into our meatballs and we put it into a couple other things. Um I always put bacon scraps in my burgers because it's bacon. Why wouldn't you grind it up and eat it? Uh and Absolutely, we can totally come to Canada. The you know food laws totally allow that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's one of those things where like we do, we did, we did, you know, we did chicken burger. I did chicken burgers, and one thing that like people will o- always love about my chicken burgers, they're like these are so juicy and they're so good. And I go, yeah, because there's bacon in them. <laughs> like. Well, I mean, you take a chicken breast, you grind that thing up, or most ground chicken is basically, I mean, you cook it any way, you're, it, it's dry. Because yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's no fat, there's nothing to keep that thing juicy through the cooking process. Well, if you grind it up with bacon fat and bacon, it still tastes the exact same. It doesn't really give too much of a different taste. Like, you, you still taste chicken, but... It's juicy and it's good, and that and bacon fat. Exactly, and the bacon fat protects protects all that, all that, um, all, all that chicken to make your life a little bit easier. Especially if you're not a good burger cook. Um, some people can't cook a burger to save their lives, and they just make hockey pucks. Um, which I mean, you girls know a little bit about hockey. Um, being in Montreal. I mean, <laughs> You guys have an okay team? Uh, <laughs> you know, we're Blackhawks fans down here. We'll leave you guys on the show, though. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, we'll see what's up there this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we've we had our, you know, we've had a good century. The 2000s were really good to us. So, uh, and the uh, or, 2000, you know, between 2005 and 2007, 16 were really good for us. So we're going to rebuild, bring back it, bring it back a little bit. But uh, <laughs> back to the barbecue chat, we, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you guys this. Where do you kind of see your guys' brand going? I think you guys have a very cool um, aura about yourselves besides the fact that your sister's you guys just play off of each other really, really well. You guys, you guys are very entertaining to watch. So where do you guys kind of see this next step and where do you guys see yourselves going? If you can share that with us. I don't want to like go in anything that's like confidential. Well, we're, we, we appreciate you not wanting to go anywhere confidential, but we like to blast our opinions from the rooftops. So we that's do. perfectly fine. Be <laughs> careful. Actually, that, um, that gets people in trouble. <laughs> I get in trouble all the time. I feel like he's speaking from experience. I think he is. (laughs) So we actually are opening up a grill studio um, in in our country grill property this coming June. We're hoping to open. Yes. Um, And we're really, really excited about that. So it's going to be like a fully immersive barbecue experience where we invite people to come to the country with us get super involved and have like a communal barbecue experience where people are learning, but also getting as involved as possible. And having fun. Like obviously we want it to be a learning experience, but at the end of the day, we want people to walk away from it saying that was 
the finest experience I've had in a long time. Exactly. So almost like a barbecue camp or barbecue boot camp type thing. You guys will be doing different classes, teaching different things. Am I correct? We're not going to be yelling at people like a boot camp. (laughs) We want people to have fun. You don't have to lie. You don't have to lie. You can be getting into people's faces being like, open the beer faster. Open the beer faster. You know, like just just something fun. Maybe we should do that. Get a whistle. Get a whistle. Be like, you know, you know. Pull, pull the pull the skin off the ribs faster. You know. Drop and give me twenty. Yeah. Se- season your pork butt faster. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> now, yes, are you guys? Do you guys kind of see that almost as being like? Uh, are you guys going to be inviting other pitmasters to come teach classes, or where do you guys kind of envision it? That's actually a really good a really good question. <laughs> We definitely, we definitely see like some some of our our newfound pitmaster friends that we've made over the last little while coming out, attending a class, either maybe teaching with us, but basically just having fun at the grill with us. Oh, it says poor connection. Uh oh. Oh, well I can still hear you guys. Hold on. Okay, good. As long as you can hear us, it's fine. <laughs> yep, we're still going. So, um, okay. it's, it's you, it's you Canadians up there. You guys don't got strong internet sometimes. <laughs> I'm blaming them. I have no idea. It could be completely on our end. Um, the internet is not a always hundred percent thing in life. And sometimes when people all get on it in the neighborhood, the internet goes crazy. Yay. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. so I think that's super cool. Kind of giving people an outlet to go somewhere learn about barbecue because I think that's one of the, the, the biggest things is um, there's not enough knowledge out there. Or, I mean, there is enough knowledge out there. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm sure people are screaming. Being like, there's tons of knowledge out there. Yeah. But the thing is you have to shift through so much shit to find good knowledge. It's ridiculous. Like, sometimes you go on YouTube to just find something and you're like, there's 50 videos that tell you how to do it and – you know, a lot of those are just guys that have cooked maybe that once, maybe twice in their lives that have decided that they're going to go on YouTube and tell you what they think. Um, and it, it, it's sometimes terrifying when I'm listening to some of these people that are like, do this, do that, do this, do that. I'm like, don't get me wrong. There's no wrong way to do barbecue. And if it comes out perfectly for you, then you're doing it right. Or if it tastes good, then you're doing it right. But sometimes some of the methods that I'm seeing some of these people do right now, I'm like, dude, you're doing steps three through 27, literally just eliminate and just do steps <laughs> one to 28, 29, and 30. I just helped you out. I just saved you half an hour. Take those steps out. You don't got to do it. Just let it go. But – um, I think it's super cool that people are at least wanting to share their knowledge. And then there's people like you guys who are are creating something for somebody to get amazing knowledge at and not have to, you know, shift through hours of YouTube videos to find a piece of knowledge that is going to be really, really good. 
Yeah, and we're definitely accepting all skill levels. So we're going to be working with people. We want people to attend who maybe have never grilled at all before or people who think that they are like backyard heroes. And we like to also take like the pretension out of food. Like obviously food now in the year that we're in has gotten extremely pretentious. And we just like to make it so everybody feels like what they can afford and what they can get to is accessible and is something that they can work with. Like, nowadays, all you hear is people being like, you have to get the best cuts ever. You have to go to, like, the depths of the... Exactly. And it's like, you could, you have to have, like, a huge budget to be able to have really great food. Yeah, like, we love a slot dog. Right? There's nothing wrong with a slot dog. I love see, me a good slot dog. <laughs> I, see, my problem with What's happening in that sense of barbecue becoming the rich man's cuisine type thing is, dude, it started on poor cuts of meat. Um, yes. So let's just keep it there in, in a sense. But don't get me wrong. I do love cooking Wagyu briskets. Don't don't get me wrong. I do enjoy cooking them. But I also have educated myself so much on the – Wagyu front and the the Angus front and the beef front in general that I understand the differences and all that stuff and I I understand what I'm looking for and I think the the, the hard thing for a consumer to look at is they go to the store and somebody flashes Wagyu in front of them they don't ask any more questions and they buy and it doesn't matter what that price tag is they just saw Wagyu and it it doesn't matter that underneath it it says this is only 1% Wagyu. This isn't really Wagyu. Um, we have no idea what the hell this is, but it looked marbled, so we sold it as Wagyu. Nobody reads that little fine print, um, and there's no real fine print at butcher shops, so don't really start looking for that. But ask that butcher, be like, hey, where did this Wagyu come from? Where was it sourced from? Um, and if he can't tell you that, don't spend that higher dollar amount because he's selling you prime. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. selling you Wagyu because he has no idea where that Wagyu was sourced from. And then this whole thing where, it's, well, it's American Wagyu. Well, what the hell's American Wagyu? Well, um, <laughs> it was graded for American Wagyu. Well, what does that mean considering USDA doesn't grade Wagyu? There's no U.S. graders for Wagyu currently. So... How are you grading at Wagyu? Is it coming from Japan and it's getting graded in Japan and it's getting, or it has all its correct paperwork? See, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just kill every party, don't I? <laughs> no, but it's, it's very true though. You're like, that's, that's, that's education though. So now maybe people listening to this might go to their, their, their local butcher, their grocery store and think twice about buying Wagyu that's maybe two ninety nine a pound. If it's too good to be true with price, it's not real. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like we're doing, we are going to be doing a, uh, we're going to be doing a barbecue class here coming up in a couple months, and um, they wanted to do. They're like, hey, would you be willing to bring? the mix into the barbecue class and i'm like well this is more of an and it's an intro to barbecue i'm like i don't know if a big stick burger is really what we want to show off for an intro to barbecue class and and they're like are you sure it'd be it'd be pretty impressive and i'm like no it'd be super impressive and everyone would be like oh my god that's awesome 
But I'm pretty sure they'd look at it and be like, my wife would kill me if I brought that home. Or my husband would kill me if I brought that home. I have no idea how to cook on that. I'm trying to transition from charcoal or from, uh, you know, from, from gas to charcoal. And this one's talking about wood and how much wood he's throwing inside of it. I don't even know how to control my charcoal fire yet. How am I going to control real wood? You know what I mean? There's just it, – it, 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 it's a big learning curve in that sense. And so I was talking to them and I'm like, listen, we're not going to bring the mix in. I go, if we do a longer class and we do something that's more advanced barbecue, I go, we'll bring the mix in out. It will be a lot of fun. We'll, we'll you know, cook a whole hog or something like that in there. And um, they – they're like, oh, that sounds great. We'll do we'll do one of those classes, and I, I think in the fall we're gonna do a whole hog class with them and have some fun and uh, cook a nice pretty hog. But uh, until then, I mean, I, I just think like know your char- like what you guys said, you know, know your know where you're, what level you're at, and there should be something for everybody. And I think those the classes are really what what will help people and what you guys are doing. It helps people so much because some people are not necessarily afraid to cook, but they just don't have the knowledge and they don't know where to go to get it. So what you guys are doing with kind of like the, I, I want to call it a grill Academy almost. It, it's just fantastic. Yeah, we, we're really, really looking forward to it. We want people to feel like it's approachable. We don't want anyone to be intimidated by it. We just want to accept all people, all skill levels. So when you guys are teaching, I want to. we'll go down the teaching route just for a minute. What would you say is one of the hardest things to teach in barbecue? That's a good question. I feel like probably like the basics, like... Even just, like, to tell people, to let people know you need to preheat your grill. Like, I feel like a lot like a lot of people don't know that small fact. I think, I think the basics, I think that's such a great answer because if you don't know these core basics and you don't master the core basics, you can never advance. You know what I yes. mean? It's like building the basics. It's like building a house with a really nice roof and a really shitty foundation. (laughs) Eventually, it's not going to hold it. Exactly. (laughs) That thing's going down. (laughs) Eventually, right? It's like, like, that's like the weird thing. Like, I get people that will add, like, we'll talk barbecue and they're like, oh, the first thing I ever cooked was brisket. Like, oh, how'd it turn out? And they're like, it turned out really, really good. (laughs) Are you sure? Like, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Have you cooked any brisket since? Yeah, one or two. How long have you been cooking for? You know, six six months. I've cooked so many briskets in my life, and I just started getting good at cooking briskets. Like, no, and it takes a long time to master it. Like. Some people, it depends, like, what people are aiming for. If you're aiming for, like, the perfect bend test, if you're aiming for, like, a juice, like, the juice factor. Some people, their definition of nailing it might be different compared to other people. My definition of nailing it is making sure that it's perfect. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where people are like, oh, 
but my slices came out really good, but my, you know, or my, my slices didn't come out great, but my point was really juicy. Okay, so, so you burned up one of the two muscles. <laughs> yeah. the, art, the art is to cook both of them together. And I do understand yeah. there's competition guys that, that separate them, and they, have, they separate them for different reasons, and, and, it's, and a lot of it is just um, the speed and the, and the time of the cook. Um, and then there's certain restaurant guys that will, that will separate them so that they can get more burnt ends, more, more flavor all around that point. And then they're able to create more of a product that their customer is looking for. So I quite understand that. But if you want to master that brisket, you got to cook it as a whole and make sure that you, you know, you cook it perfectly. And I don't think that somebody on their first try can really nail a brisket. I just don't think that's going to happen. It definitely takes experience for sure. Maybe it's people not, are just like hiding them in a lot of sauces and then not knowing what's under there. Yeah. <laughs> probably. A lot of it is probably that. But I just think I you know, <laughs> I, I think one of the be- like one of those things, you know, but if you're gonna be honest with yourself, did you really nail it? Probably not. <laughs> and just be honest with yourself, it doesn't matter. Nobody nails brisket on their first time. No one's like cooked two briskets in my life. I'm the best brisket cook ever. <laughs> I that that actually brings me to another story. I was just at NBBQA and I am sitting I am uh Kent Black is standing next to me and he's having a conversation with another guy and me and um a friend of mine are sitting down and we're having a conversation with a couple that's not there for the for the barbecue conference but they are there for uh, a different a different tournament for one of their daughters. I think it was a volleyball tournament or something like that was in town and it is very relevant that Kent Black was standing next to me. I'll, I'll get to that. Why? The lady goes, oh, you guys are here for a barbecue conference. That's awesome. So my brother-in-law, and of course, like, whenever you, you say barbecue, it's just somebody has, like, the best barbecue cook in the world is sitting next yeah. to me. She's like, she's like, my brother-in-law is from Texas, and he is the Texas king of brisket. And I was like, Kent Black's standing next to me. Are you related to him? <laughs> like, this man's cooked more briskets than your brother-in-law's ever seen in his life in the last week. Uh, and he's an amazing brisket cook. Uh, being able to learn brisket from him and, and learning more about it uh, was just amazing. But it, it was one of those things where um, it's like everyone has, like, the best barbecue cook in their family. I think I think that's like one of the things I'm learning now as as I I mean I've been in the barbecue game for so long and I've been talking to barbecue with so many people and I I love talking to people about barbecue and I don't never shut up about it but I I think it's just so funny I always get that like you wouldn't believe it but my brother-in-law's the best barbecue cook ever and I'm like awesome and then like I that's like my reaction I'm like awesome so what do they cook <laughs> Do you guys ever get so that up in a, up there? That's so embarrassing that that lady said that in front of you guys. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because she has no idea who Kent Black is. She has no idea. Yeah. It it just and it, it it was funny and cute, and I just laughed. And she's like, "What's so funny?" I'm like, "Nothing." The ironicness of just you not knowing is what's so funny. To be honest, <laughs> but that is hilarious. 
And it's a story that I've told a bunch of my friends, and they were like, that's fantastic. And it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, he's the barbecue, he's the brisket barbecue king of Texas that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it is what it is. We'll cry later about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what is one of your favorite things to cook, guys? Or ladies? That's a, that's a hard question. I also just want to throw out there that I kind of resent the fact that this is called man meat barbecue. <laughs> Good. Send me an email about it. You can be the 900th person that sends me an email about it. Um, oh, God. I don't I, – it, it's okay. I still love you guys. Um, you know – Yeah, I don't know. I don't my, know what our favorite thing to cook is. We really love cooking with all kinds of meats. For some reason right now we're on a lamb kick. I don't know why. <laughs> we really love grilling lamb. Um, I went through that a year ago. You went through a lamb kick? I know. I feel like oh. everyone goes through it. Because it's an awesome protein. It's fantastic. It totally is. Once you get a taste for it, it's hard to go back. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know what? It, the other thing is lamb has this like flavor profile that is very hard to mimic in other in other proteins, right? Because um, it can be a little bit gamey, but it has that more iron iron feel to it, right? That you can't yep. like very few other animals have that have that flavor profile. So mm-hmm. once you get on that lamb kick, you're like nothing else tastes like this. Like nothing else tastes <laughs> like lamb. You're never like. Oh, I want lamb. Oh, well, I guess I'll make a pork shoulder and it'll be okay. Like, I'll, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's not no, you're, close. you're never satisfied until you go get lamb. Like, it's so it's, true. You just can't do that. <laughs> now, do you guys ever do you guys ever mess around with like barbecue poutines? Because I think you should. We do actually. For some reason, like we love like doing like using leftovers for for poutine. So brisket, leftover brisket makes a phenomenal poutine. Yeah, that sounds sounds right up my alley. Sounds fantastic. I'm impressed with you all poutine. <laughs> uh, you know, I I understand stand the uh, food culture. One of my favorite chefs is actually from um is from the Canada side. So, um oh. I know, I know what poutine is. You know, I'm 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 well versed, and it's slowly slowly making its way down here. Uh, you can get it so some good. places. Yeah. You can get it some places, but it's still not quite where it needs to be. I don't think people have perfected it down here yet. <laughs> we haven't had the years of practice that you guys have had. <laughs> Just a little bit of shredded cheese. I've actually had there. I've been places where they do shredded cheese, and it it just melts too quickly. Like it yes, basically becomes so almost like true. a nacho, like a nacho cheese. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that's that's not not correct for poutine. <laughs> you need those. No, you need those little bit of uh, cheese curds. Squeaky texture of the cheese curds. Exactly, and and I think it's funny that you just said the squeaky. If 
what what some people don't understand, guys, if you've never had real cheese curds, if they don't squeak, they're not good. Yeah. And like that's a that's a real thing. Like and the hardest thing for me is I had a buddy come over and we were up in Wisconsin and he's like, Man, he's like, We're from the cheese country, let's go get some cheese curds. I'm like, awesome. I go, let's go get some squeaky cheese curds and he's like some what? And I'm like, squeaky cheese curds. And he's like, what does that even mean? And I'm like, if they don't squeak, they're not good. And he's like, that makes no sense. And then he like popped two in his mouth and he's like, these things are squeaking. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, you get it. And it's like, you can't explain squeaky cheese curds. Like you literally have to show people, you have to be like, here, chew on this. And they chew on it and they're like, Squeaky. But I experience the squeak to get it. <laughs> there's no other way. It, it's like cooking ribs. You, you'll feel it. Like, there's no other way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. If they're not squeaky, guys, they're not good cheese curds. No. And you can argue with me all day long. I have Wisconsinites <laughs> that will back me. <laughs> I, I, think, I just think barbecue poutine would be, like, like I said, I think it, it, it can go... A very long way, like you said, you use those leftovers, which, which um, having that leftover meat after it cools, that smoke really gets a chance to settle into that meat. So it becomes not necessarily smokier, but it it it, it protrudes a deeper smoke flavor. I think on the back end, right? I think it's kind of like when you make coleslaws and stuff like that. Coleslaws are never good. Like the day of, you got to wait like 24 hours. You really got to get like, if you're in a rush and you're like, Hey, I'm going to make a coleslaw and serve it in 15 minutes. People will be like, yeah, this is okay. It's yeah. Take that same coleslaw, serve it to them 24 hours later. They'll be like, Oh, this is great. Unless you suck at making coleslaw. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's like, Oh, this is great. Cause the flavors need that time to marry. Right. That's why I normally do like actually eating my barbecue a day after. I think I I enjoy the flavor a little bit more um, because they you know the the smoke marries that meat just a little bit more and it it protrudes itself a little bit more. That's why when you said we we do a brisket poutine, that just sounds fantastic. Um, it sounds like I gained fifteen pounds in that conversation, but uh, I I just it sounds fantastic. Oh, I, I, I'm not arguing with you. You had me at hello. Uh, <laughs> you had me at brisket poutine, right? Um, are there any places up in Canada that are doing like a barbecue poutine yet? I think everywhere that does barbecue up here does do a poutine just because it's a natural, it's a natural pair, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like, you use up those leftovers, you have little bits of pulled pork, little bits of brisket, little crumbled up burger, little bits of bacon, yeah, like little bits yep. of smoked bacon. It's like, it's like bar- the barbecue world's answer to, like, your soup of the day. <laughs> yes. I'll have the soup. What's the soup of the day? <laughs> it's the soup du jour. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'll have that. <laughs> Thanks, Flo. <laughs> but it... I, I that's where I kind of see barbecue as a whole going is barbecue is going to all these awesome fusions. Um, so many people are fusing barbecue with their 
their cultural foods, right? And if if we look back at foods, there there's Italian fusion fo- food, there's Korean fusions, there's there's French fusions, there's Mexican fusions. Um, all all the great foods get a fusion because somebody loves that, and then they want to bring it back to, like, kind of at home cooking food, right? Which is what you remember from your childhood. That that's what big at home cooking food is, right? And then people like to mix that in with barbecue. So if they can do that, or they like to mix that in with any fusion food, but I'm, we're talking about barbecue right now, I think that's that's where barbecue is really going to start to take off and strive and reach new. I, I don't want to say new customers, but in a way like new new people because they're going to be like, oh, I never knew that I could make this few like this kind of fusion food with barbecue. And I think that's what's so cool about barbecue right now and of where we're at in our barbecue journey as as a whole for what we're doing. I just think there's going to be so many cool things that we're going to see down the line. I think so, too. I think that you hit the nail on the head because you're right. It does. Fusion opens the doors to so many different cultures to be like, well, I could see my, my cultural food on a grill, made on a grill. And it's very easy to do. It's like a lot of it, like, we, and we, we like doing that as well. Like doing a lot of different sort of fusion dishes that are our personal favorites, like um, Asian bonnies or one of our, we were really on a bonny kick. Yeah. <laughs> but anything, like, like I said, anything that we, that we think that you can make normally, you can translate to a grilled recipe and it just takes it to that next level with smoke flavor and, and it's just, it's just the fun of cooking outdoors. Exactly. I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head right there is people are looking to cook outdoors more they're looking to have more fun there nobody invites anybody over for a fucking salad uh you invite people over to grill right it's never like uh it's never like hey you know this amazing night that we had started with this beautiful salad no nobody starts any story in the world like that they were like dude we had five dudes over we cooked, we, you know, we lit up the Weber kettle. We made amazing burgers or we made, you know, we made some kind of crazy sausages and we did all this kind of stuff. And that's where great stories come from. And so many people have, you know, mom or dad that cooked on the Weber kettle, that cooked on a, you know, cooked on a grill and that, that smell, that, that storyline in their heads that when they smell what you're cooking, that's where it brings it back to them. You know what I mean? And that's why they love – that's why barbecue is comfort food. So it totally is. We're doing so many cool things and I, I want to say thank you guys for for being part of the culture and and spreading the gospel of, of barbecue up in Canada because obviously you guys are doing a good job. But it, it's just it, – it's amazing to see people from all over that just love barbecue and, and, and barbecue people are not like anybody else. It, it, we're a, we're a breed of our own. We're really we're we really are in the sense that like you need something awesome, I can help you out. Like you know, I was at a we were at a we were at a competition, and one somebody came up to our came up to our tent, and they were like, "Hey, I somehow forgot my starter cubes. Like I literally have no other way to start my chimney." 
And we were like, yeah, hold on. Here's a cup. How many do you need? One or two? I just want one. Fantastic. Here's a starter cube. And, like, that, not that that's, like, a big deal, but it is because, like, dude, it's a competition. I'm cooking against you for money. Yeah. And I'm helping you to maybe beat me. Yeah, because that's barbecue is very community-driven, and it's very, like, everyone wants to help each other. Everyone basically, even in competitions, everybody wants to see people succeed. Exactly. Yep. And you nev- you're never like, oh, dude, you beat me. It's always like, dude, that's awesome you placed here. Like, this is fantastic. Like, it's always just such a fun-loving thing. And, and although down, down to, you know, the core, we're always like, damn, I wish I would have had that call. But <laughs> it, 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 that's the beauty of barbecue. And I don't think there's anywhere else or any, any other kind of culture right now that really um, sums that up. You know, Anthony Bourdain said it best – Barbecue may not solve all the world's problems, but it's a great place to start, right? That's a pretty good quote, yeah. <laughs> it's a great – it's something we can all agree on. We're going to cook with fire and meat. Let's do it. Except if you're vegan or vegetarian, and then I'm sorry for all of you. Um, <laughs> it's not my fault. They chose it. I didn't choose <laughs> that life for them. Uh, I have – I actually uh, – I have a, a, a lady that I actually used to used to talk to quite a bit, um, and she was a vegetarian, and we would go hang out at their house, and she'd be like, oh, she's like, I'm going to make this beautiful salad. Do you want one? I'm like, but then what would my food eat? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and she's always, like, she's always like, when are you going to get your greens in? I'm like, I do. The cow eats them. I eat the cow. <laughs> Thus, I ate the salad at some point. That right? is the full circle. <laughs> right? I just look I look at the bigger picture. You're looking at just the little one. I'm looking big picture here. Whole you spectrum. You gotta think big. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Girls, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, hanging out with us, and chatting barbecue. If you can do me a favor, can you tell everyone where they can follow your guys' journey on social media and on the internet? It's very easy to find us on every social media platform, as well as our website. It's just maddieandkiki.com, and Maddie and Kiki across every Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Super easy. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Make your life easy. Um, they, They got lucky considering they got all those. Sometimes people aren't that lucky. (laughs) So I like to end the show off with uh, a very simple way, and it's this. If you could go back in time from from what you know right now, with all the knowledge that you know right now, to when you first started cooking, and you could give yourself three tips to shorten your barbecue learning curve, what would those three tips be? Oh, good one. I would say, first one, don't be afraid to use more wood. Yes, very good one. Because I used to be real stingy with the wood. And so our one of our new best friends, Kevin Coleman, told us, do not be stingy with the wood. Feel free to use a lot of wood. Yeah, that's, that, I thought that's tip one, two, and three. Yeah, that's the main one. <laughs> that's a biggie. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. Kevin Coleman. What a gentleman. Thank you so much, Mr. Kevin Coleman. <laughs> I, love, I love that guy. He's an amazing human being. He's a fantastic barbecue Isn't cook. 
he's just a, he's just a well well all well versed and great dude. Oh, I have another one. I have another one. Also a nugget for Mr. Kevin Coleman. He also taught us to punch a brisket. And oh yeah, that that is definitely something that we're going to be adding to our next. And that's a good one because he taught us that again. If we if we go back in time and tell our early selves that it makes it so it cooks super evenly. It makes it so it's just it's a very simple way of making it all one exact uniform level. And it's and let's face it, it's a good way to take out some aggression. Yeah. I don't condone violence. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nervous about having them on the show now. I'm scared for my life. Blame Kevin. Yeah, he's the one that taught us that. Let's blame Kevin. We blame Kevin for everything anyways. I mean, <laughs> no, that that is a good, that is a great thing. I mean, the the funny thing is, so I was at the store a while ago and I'm picking out briskets. Um, and I was picking out briskets at Costco at the time uh, before we started going through meat purveyors and all that and I had two guys come up to me and they're like after I picked out like four briskets out of like six like out of like there's like eight briskets in there and I picked out like the four best ones and the, these two guys come up to me and like hey can you pick us out a brisket and I'm like uh they're like you know what you're doing I'm like yeah but I just picked out the four best ones and you can't have these <laughs> <laughs> kind of felt kind of like an asshole and the guy's like well can you pick up the best out of the, that four and i was like yeah i guess so so i like picked out a brisket for him and like i, I gave him my number i'm like i want to know how it comes out he texted me he's like dude that was the best brisket ever and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> great and he's like he's like i can't believe you he's like you got he's like can you tell me all the tips on how to pick it out and all that stuff and i was like yeah i'm like you should have had one of my four <laughs> But he was just going to go and pick out just a random, like, just, you know, shot in the dark. Just grab a brisket. Looks good. And it's like, there's a little there's a little bit more of a finesse to it. Um, you want to pick that brisket up, feel it, see if it's, like, if it's super stiff in the, you know, cryovac bag and it's not frozen. Probably not going to be that great of a brisket. <laughs> you want to have a little bit of movement. But, girls, thank you so much for coming on the show hanging out with us, chatting barbecue. Uh, we had an amazing time. Hopefully we'll get you guys back. Um, if I ever get a passport, I'll come up to Canada uh, <laughs> and uh, come, come cook with you ladies. We love that. Come visit. Thank you so much, Mikey. This has been awesome.